This episode is sponsored by adamandeve.com. Type in the offer code sexnerd at checkout. And guess what? You get so many things, it's kind of amazing. So I highly recommend you do that because you get 50% off one item. And I'm going to tell you what I think it should be this week. Three free DVDs, which is awesome because there's always that one moment where it's kind of cool and you're like, wow, I'm really turned on right now. Yes, it usually is. It usually is. And you get free shipping. Oh, right. And there's also an extra special secret gift. I don't know what it is, but I'm really curious. So let me know. I want to know. Maybe I should buy something. Um, What I was going to tell you about, because I was flipping through their website and uh, checking things out, because I like to shop. And for $69.95, they've got the Sports Sheets Door Jam Sling. This puppy comes out of the box and you're like, I have no idea what to do with this. And then you just unravel it and you get these two pegs and you... throw it over at the top of a door, you shut the door, and you know what you have now? A sex swing. You don't have to drill anything. It's awesome, and it feels really good to have sex with it. So to recap, you get four awesome things if you go to adamandeve.com. You get 50% off one item, you get three free DVDs, free shipping, and a super secret gift. Super cool. And it also feels like a hug to us here at Sex Nerd Sandra because you supporting us, we really appreciate it. When I say we, I mean Dave and me, and sometimes I just mean me. (laughs) Shut up, Dave. Uh, Anyway, adamandeve.com. Do it. Offer code sex nerd. Hey, guys. I'm on tour right now, uh, or on the road or whatever. One week tour. I'm on a one week long tour called uh, Feelings, a comedy tour. You should come out to some shows. Uh, I uh, I have three shows left on this, um, one in Houston, one in San Antonio, and one in Albuquerque, uh, so if you're in one of those places, uh, come see some stand-up. It's going to be good. The website is feelingstour.tumblr.com if you want more info. Thanks. Sex nerds. Guess what? Newsflash. Uh, this is a for another documentary Kickstarter going on. I know I talked about the virginity one. Thank you for helping fund that. It did get funded. Sweet. So now Satine Phoenix, our very own Satine Phoenix from D&D Melt, Nerd Melt's D&D gaming culture. She's a leader in the community and she's been interviewed by a documentary called Dice Chuckers. And they're trying to raise some money to get the current culture and understanding of role playing and who does it uh, out to the public. I also want to interview Satine Phoenix about sexual tension in D&D gaming. So if that's something that you're into, please go to, uh, well, Kickstarter. You can just Google Kickstarter Satine Phoenix. It'll come up. But uh, she's from the hit web series, I Hit It With My Axe, which is a really fun uh, RPG D&D role-playing that's kind of redundant, RPG role-playing. That's, re- that's redundant. If that's uh, something you'd like to fund, please do, because it's important to get the word out. We're awesome. Gamers and all. Nerds unite. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. <laughs> what are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Hi, everyone. Hello. Oh. Whoa, that was amazing. Hi, Sandra. Hi. 
Um, great. Dave, we're here talking about open relationships. We're so far away. <laughs> <laughs> this space between us will be filled with the, amazing, loving people in just a few minutes. This is true. Yes. I can't but, wait. But for yeah. the moment, I know. I can, I can this is like a fingers. painting I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reaching for his fingers. For those listening at home, we almost touch fingers far away from each other. It's like the Sistine, uh, you know, whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that I have less abs than that. <laughs> wait a minute. Can we just go into personal body images? <laughs> yes. Based on a 2,000-year-old hey. painting? <laughs> <laughs> this show covers all sorts of things. Absolutely. You know, we had the Big Big Love episode. If you've um, ever felt intimidated by a ceiling, uh, <laughs> listen to our show. Uh, anyway, today's show is about open relationships, loving outside the box, and polyamory. And uh, as I said on our uh, Sex at Dawn podcast, where we talked about the evolution of humans and sexuality and whatnot, uh, I have always felt a certain part of myself feel weird because I have always loved lots of people. And it's very rare for me to love just one person and not... I mean, I've just... I don't think there's ever been a point where I've romantically only loved one person at one time. You know? Like, I'm very faithful, but it's really weird to have that feeling when society tells you you're... You're only supposed to love one person, and if you have any interest in anyone else, there's something wrong with you, and you have to choose, and there's only one real love, and there's all these like odd messages. So I... <laughs> with, those, with those movements. Yeah, with all well. these, like... There's only one real love dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, modern dance meets Italian. <laughs> Just doing all of this. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, Dave, are you polyamorous? Oh, no. Okay. No, not at all. I am incapable of nothing but monogamy. Uh... <laughs> Because I'm emotionally stunted. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Oh, no. And I'm definitely not saying, this is honestly, it's, it's not that I think that people should be or shouldn't be monogamous or polyamorous, but that I, I want there to be space in the world for people to have that as a choice. So that, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So it's really, it's just, you know, I love buffets. Whether, you know... <laughs> Did you say buffets? Yeah, so so I love options. I thought what you said was, I love buffets. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I just, I like there to be options about how to choose to live one's life. And that includes something outside of monogamy. And monogamy is great for lots of people, but it doesn't fit for everyone. And a lot of pain and discomfort and hurt and weird feelings come out of trying to fit yourself in a box that doesn't work. Whether it be masculinity or your orientation or anything. So tonight we honor... Loving outside the box. Oh my god, I totally tied that in. I felt really like proud of myself right there. Yeah, wow, that was a that was a nice arc. The whole <laughs> yeah. thing. I don't know. I felt like it was, it was like a, written or yeah, something. Yeah, but totally not. Totally not. Um, yeah. So I think right now it's time to welcome our guests, KJ and Christy. Come on out. <laughs> I love these people. I love you too. Oh, I love everybody. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so KJ and Christy are both friends of mine, and I've gotten to know you both really well. And I've heard a lot about uh, the wonderful ways in which you live your lives, including your personal relationships. So I wanted to have you both on the show to kind of talk about that a little. Because a lot of our listeners are people who um, are stuck out in in small towns, who maybe don't have anyone to talk to about uh, how they're processing their sexuality and feelings. And so I just love showing them cool people. 
So thank you for being cool and joining us. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Christy, you told me before the show that your version of polyamory is not necessarily going to. It's like it's very special or it's different, and it may not. Like, like, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Uh, okay. So, well, I don't know how different it actually is. I just, uh, I don't always embrace the label of being polyamorous because when, when you start to think about it as being a thing, then I can sometimes see that it's kind of a roadblock for myself. Mm-hmm. I guess the way that I prefer to think about myself is that I'm a free-thinking, independent individual and I want to be able to explore relationships in a really natural way and to let them go to where they go and not have to stop at some point because, you know, I've gone into too deep of a conversation and my relationship doesn't allow me to do that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to be more physical with somebody because I like them and maybe it's just cuddling or maybe it's kissing or something like that. And I just want to be able to explore that naturally. Mm-hmm. And I just think about that as being normal. Uh, I guess I think about uh, other things as being sort of like a a way of being. Mm-hmm. But this just feels very natural and just sort of like just a who I am sort of thing. Right, so. like polyamory became a label after people were feeling a thing and started exploring that thing and then a label was created to be yeah, like... I didn't even know what the label was yeah. when I started being polyamorous, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was 18 years old and I was in love with two people and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I, I know it was different because I was raised very conservatively. Ooh, I didn't know that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt right. So Awesome. But it does, I mean, it is useful in terms of being describing what it is just because a lot of people aren't it. And so I, I do realize that it's a helpful descriptive term sometimes. But Definitely. Yeah. And we're going to talk about terms because, man, are there some terms. Yeah. <laughs> and can we agree on those terms? No. <laughs> no. KJ, how about you? Um, I, mine is, I, it's similar to hers. I mean, I, I'm from Georgia, so as conservative red state as you can get. Um, and I believed all of that. I, you know, foot washing Baptists came out here, up is up, down is down, right is right, wrong is wrong. And then I went to Burning Man. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, wow. <laughs> and the, yeah. And what I was kind of exposed to was possibility like Mm -hmm. out there you don't have to live by your labels kind of what she was saying and and i got to play over the period of it's been eight years uh that i've been going back there and my goal became how much of my life out here can i bring back into my day-to-day life and so what kind of naturally organically happened is i started connecting with people that were open-minded, that were creating very different relationships, and I tried things on over a period of five years. And my approach now is, uh, again, very similar. I, I came to know who I am and what I want and need, and by knowing my boundaries, I'm able to communicate that to other people. And, and that's the core of it, is communicating. It's, it's coming from what you know you want and what you need or, or what you don't know, you know. Communicate both of those and be open to having the conversation and always having the conversation. The conversation never stops. Yeah. KJ's especially good at communicating. You can, like, like if I have, like, a worried look on my face, he's like, I'm here for you. <laughs> if you need anything, you know, we can, I, you know, it's just always, like, this very clear communication would be, I'm all like, thank you, I... You know, I'm just really stressed out. Like, hug me, you know, <laughs> and then like, and then it's better. So it's helpful. Hugs make everything better. Yeah, it really does. 
Right, Dave? Absolutely. <laughs> Big hug fan. No, we'll be talking about anything. It can be anal sex, it can be blowjobs, it can be uh, virginity, and it's always like communicate. Like that's the oh thing. sure. No, like it's what are we? One t- thing. What if there's a kink about not communicating? <laughs> I like to not know what you want. <laughs> I like to offend people. <laughs> you know what I like? I like you to be uncomfortable. That's... <laughs> That person has to exist. Yeah. yeah. One listener a somewhere. A sadist? Is that, uh, that what, like, maybe what true sadism is? Truly wanting <laughs> someone else to be in pain? <laughs> no? Okay. But then you'd want to communicate, oh, uh, I want to unpack that some other time. That's a really deep this seems like connection, a thing. a subject for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so hard not to go there. Okay. Um... So, first of all, I'm more of a poly-dabbler. You know, I've dabbled. Um, (laughs) I like to dabble in things, you know, try everything once. Um, And one thing that's really interesting is the different terms. So, for instance, what do you think is the difference between, like, if someone says, I'm in an open relationship versus I'm polyamorous? Like, what is the difference between those two? For for me, you're you're really polyamorous when you're actively maintaining more than one intimate relationship, and everyone knows what's going on. It's not I'm a player and I got ladies here and ladies. It's people know, they communicate, and it's an ongoing situation. So, in in some ways, I've never had a what I consider a poly relationship because I haven't had more than one like girlfriend or, or at one time, my relationship style has been to create a primary partner and then outside of that have lovers or, or friends that fall into the love category from time to time, but it's never been anything consistent like every Thursday right. this is happening. Right, there's always like uh, primary partners, um, secondary partners, or just partners because secondary can kind of hurt your feelings sometimes, right. yes. or like I have certain a couple lovers, or you know, there's always really interesting a partner, or maybe a girlfriend and a boyfriend, and then there's a lover. Like there's always these different types of <laughs> labels we give the people that are important in our romantic lives. Sometimes. Yeah, work friends. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. And them too. Thursday partners. I really yeah, enjoy Thursday. that. <laughs> Thursday is a big day. Mm, you know? Good time. Getting ready for the weekend. How about you, Christy? Oh, here. Oh. I don't really embrace the label of primary partner. Okay. Um, so, and here's why. Because when you start calling someone primary partner, that means that you're implying that someone is more special to you than someone else. And that can make everybody else feel kind of bad. I mean, uh, and maybe people kind of just accept that for what it is. But I guess if I were to think of a partner um, name, uh, I would probably call someone that I loved and was investing my life into in, in some um, significant capacity my life partner. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Because it wouldn't apply your first. It would just it would be someone I'm in love with. And can I imagine having more than one of those? Yes, I can. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I don't think there's a soulmate thing happening mm-hmm. uh, in the world. I just think that there can be many soulmates. And I like the idea of loving really as many people as possible we all are all here for such a limited amount of time and the best thing that we ever have to offer each other is love and um i just yeah i i like there not being a limit to that right that was a huge realization for me is that 
love is in abundance. Like you don't run out of love. Like love is abundant. It's not a scarce resource. But the thing that you have not much of is time. So yes. the time management thing, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and also just to, I think it's already been said. But in terms of polyamory, in built into it, there is no one way to do it. So my way is not the one way. Her way is not the one way. There's there's any number of ways that people create uh, their polyamorous relationships. Oh man, if you Google polyamory Venn diagram. <laughs> under, under Google Images, you'll see like the first two come up, and it's just like this mass of circles and squares and triangles, and then all these X's and like, well, uh, yeah, that's th- such a contradiction in terms. <laughs> polyamory Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's polyamory, but there's only two circles. <laughs> 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 and of course, it's it's like it's a mass. It's, sure, it's yeah. hilarious. But it's it's like there's the hundred mile rule. You're only uh, playing with anyone else if you're far away. And then there's uh, swinging. Like that's a thing. Like like swinging versus an open relationship or poly. Like have you have you ever hung out with like swingers? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or been to a swinger party? Yes. Uh, well, that's an experience. <laughs> yes, and and again, it's always different. It actually just depends on actually whoever the host is. Often creates the rules for whatever the party situation is. But the, I guess the traditional swinger parties that I've been to have been couples come and agree upon who will switch with who. Interesting, really. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because I mean, okay, what I just imagined in my head was was sort of like a separation between uh, between the having of the sex and uh, the discussion. You know what I mean? Yes. So it sounds like you walk in and you and you're like flip a coin or whatever, but not flip a coin, but like there have been a number of ways I've experienced. Sometimes it's almost like a welcoming circle where they have uh, almost like a ceremony of people getting to know each other, where people let people know what they're up for their night, what they want to create, or what they're looking to create as a partner. Again communication sure and then that gives other people opportunities to either opt in or opt out of who they want to connect with i've also seen it where it's created as a game and it is somewhat random you know a la key parties or something like that but again that's what's a key party <laughs> really it's probably the only room in the world where i'm the crazy one <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone puts their keys in the bowl, and then you choose a different set of keys, and then oh, that's yeah. where you go. That makes sense. Yay! Yeah, I understand. Good times. <laughs> oh, I know what a key party is. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> oh man, no, I went to a swinging party, like where it was like we are swingers. This is our swinging party. And it just, I mean, it's very... <laughs> we are swingers. Well, first this of all... This is our party. Come to our party. First of all, like, someone naked opened the front door, and I just wasn't expecting that. So, and it was like, I think I was very early on in my exploration of, like, other options in the world. And I'm just yeah. like, all right, we're gonna, that's okay. <laughs> like, nice, nice to meet you. Go right. Yeah, that would be jarring for me, <laughs> yeah. to be sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a whole experience. That was very, it was... 
it was weird. Um, but the interesting thing about swingers is it really is very couples focused. You know, I mean, single women can come in too, but it's also tends to be on the more casual side. So I think that's something really important is that what, what is a swinger versus polyamory? Generally, the swinging culture, I mean, is more casual and couples focused. So yeah, it's a pretty it's, clear delineation between the relationship and sex. Right. And often sex is this total other thing that, again, if it's a key party, will be with people they don't have communication with or talk to or know other than, yeah, that one. Yeah. I feel like after I grab the keys, I'd high five or something like, yeah, you, yeah, okay. I don't know. I just feel like. like Have you ever come across a situation, and I I hate to be, this is slightly negative, but is it ever like you like pick up a keys and you look at somebody and you're like, (laughs) ah. That's got to happen, at least in your brain, right? Uh, I think about this with Grindr. I know, I'm sorry, this is a total offshoot. But like, you're like, you go on to Grindr, I'd never, never used it. And you show up at the house and you're like, you don't look like your photo at all. So far, I've, well, first of all, I've, I've only been to one of those parties once and I didn't participate okay. in that. Yeah. But in my life, I would let someone know how I felt about whether or not to connect with them because that only helps everybody. Of course. Someone that will tell you no is someone you can trust. Uh, and, and that's something so true. To, to know in life. And definitely if you're creating a polyamorous situation, thank people for their no's because someone that will say yes, it'll be drama later if they were really a no. It's, so thank people for their no's and be comfortable enough to say no if it doesn't feel good. Don't do it. Yeah, no, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, no, I, I, I really want a snack right now instead. Yes. <laughs> Anything, just, you know, yeah. express it. <laughs> like, Believe it or not, that's a totally valid choice. Sure. I've been to sex parties where people haven't participated, have eaten and talked outside. It's, it's, and that's what it is to create an environment where people feel free to make any choice. And sex is just one of the choices that you can make that goes a long mm-hmm. way in, in, in anything. But there's nothing sexier than comfortable people. Wow, I'm. I realize that we're now we're talking about like group set, like group sexy parties, which is not like Polly oh. did it, right? But <laughs> but I have to say that there was a moment at a party recently where I was in a place where I wasn't uh, like I wasn't. Like, my boundaries were that I wasn't going to be playing with anyone at this party, and I started talking to this very friendly couple, and then suddenly he just starts playing with her breast. And I'm all like, you know, so anyway, yeah, I, I live in L.A., blah, oh, okay. And, and then he's all like, would you like to play with her breath? You know, and it's sort of this offering of a breath to me. And I'm just like, I, you know, that's great. But I actually, and I said my no. I said I am not able to, uh, to de- tonight, but I appreciate it. You know, you're both very beautiful. And then he didn't respect my no, and he's like, oh, come mm-hmm. on, like, you know, y- y- just do it. Oh, or, that's no good. Oh, and he started to kind of uh, coerce me, mm. and that taught me that he didn't respect my no, and I wouldn't be playing with this couple yes. again. Whereas if he had been like, that's cool, I'd be like, guys, call me later, you know, or something. Like, yeah. I know that they were on my yes list, but now they're forever on my no list, exactly. you know? So respecting no is very hot for the future yes plus from the way you said his voice he seems very french Uh (laughs) there was actually an accent not french i don't think but very accenty anyway that was a tangent about life ah life okay um i was just talking to someone like do you know any solo polyamorous like people who identify like that who are who are solo poly 
Yes. Yeah. That by, you're saying by themselves as a single person are affirming they'll always be single or actively having relationships, but coming from a place partnering. right, not any sort of, you know. Well, I, I feel bad saying primarying now. Christy's no, no, I, it makes sense <laughs> as a descriptive mechanism, mm-hmm. but it's just that, like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, I use it. I use it mm-hmm. to describe. I mean, I have a partner in my life currently who is caught. I'm cold, totally head over heels in love with him, and mm-hmm. we're, we share a home together. And you know, for I guess for descriptive purposes, he's my primary. But I kind of like the term life partner because it implies that you're going to love someone for the rest of your life. And I'm pretty sure that hands down that's the case. So kind of like that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it doesn't like say, hey, you're always going to be more special than any other person I ever meet, which is the problem I have with it. But we can we can certainly use it as a way to describe things, you know, because I know that these are the labels that currently do exist. I'm just sort of a revolutionary and I love (laughs) it to change things. I love it. I love the way you view it. And it really life partner. I mean, that's great because you're saying that I have an agreement with this person like we we are walking through life together. I just believe that when I fall in love with somebody, it's forever. And I feel that way about people in the past, and I feel that way about someone now that's very close to me. And I imagine I'll feel that way again. I certainly hope so. Being in love is amazing. Yeah. So. It's good times. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, funny enough, you and I were at some sort of, like, we were eating fries with a few other people, and we were joking that maybe, like, some people just have more oxytocin. Like, they're just always yeah. happy and cuddly. <laughs> and, like, we just sort of this joke, like, ah, maybe we're just like this because of oxytocin. And uh, I went to this conference this weekend, and there was a neurobiologist, uh, neuro, neuroscientist guy, and he did this whole talk on stuff that I will talk about in another podcast was crazy but i caught him right before he was like bouncing out of the the conference because he was not a sex person so he was like highly uncomfortable afterward i'm like you oxytocin now and i'm just like all right that's terrifying because i wanted to talk to him about it and i couldn't catch him and i'm like okay we have this kind of joke like about oxytocin and polyamory like maybe that's just like we just have more love feelings you know we want to bond more with people and he's like hmm well, not real. Um, oh, why not? <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, are you sure? He's like, sure. <laughs> so, like, Mr. Big Shot wrote, wrote several books. Um, he's, you know, some big shot neuro guy. He, he gave us the okay to just pretend. <laughs> so, we're good on that. Just, just, you know, following up on that conversation. All right, cool. So, uh, okay, okay, solo polyamory. I have a friend who I was just talking about solo polyamory. I'm talking about this specifically because it was interesting. She's incredibly independent and kind of just likes her own space, but has several important partners in her life, but just never really focuses on one person. Just always comes back to herself. And for her, the pinnacle of solo polyamory is that it's her rules that she doesn't have to constantly do the whole compromise thing like oh what are your boundaries what am I like she just really wants to come from a place of what are her needs and if you don't like to play with my my rules then never mind like so for her it was very important to not always constantly be compromising with everyone's needs all the time right. now which takes a certain amount of energy yeah and that's also an extreme uh, not making it wrong or anything but there is some degree of communication of where you are willing to compromise and what you are willing to compromise that is part of a lot of relationships. Um, it's just what I've, I guess what I've kind of learned or, or the lifestyle I've kind of stepped into is 
uh, I grew up in a love that was based in sacrifice, that we measured love on what are you willing to give up for me. That's how I know you love me. You don't watch the football game and spend time with me. Or Would you catch a grenade for me? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mars. Um, but what I stepped into, again, through Burning Man and, and my life that feels a lot more like what I imagine and, and love love to be is how much of my life am I willing to share with someone else. And, uh, and that's where I try to come f- from in my relationships is how much of me, how much of my truth, how much of my time, how much of my life am I willing to share. And the boundaries from that, you know, I know where they are, but there are some flexible times and situations based on the conversation. So staying as you are, how much you Venn diagram with a person. Yes. That's how that works. Yes, but I, my poly is something that fluctuates. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely try to connect with a person based on who they are and, and where they connect with me. And then that conversation starts of how we work it out. If she lives in San Francisco, then maybe I'll take trips. I won't be like, I'm never going there, so I'm never going to see you. It's like we'll figure something out to see what the connection is. It does strike me that the, the solo polyamory thing, just a little bit, I mean, I, it seemed, this person, what they were saying was that they, they, want, to, they want to sacrifice nothing. Is that the, the gist of that? I think just the uh, energy from, like, for instance, if you have someone that you're, like, your main life partner with and maybe you have more, because I've, I've come across a lot of people who have that one partner and then, like, other lovers on the side. Like, that's sure. like, one way of kind of doing your thing. And... You know, there's just this like, well, are we are we so, are we only soft playing with other people, like nothing below the belt, or are we is there penetration, or are there sleepovers, or like there are all those like there are all these little like, like one of the myths of being in an open relationship and whatever it is is oh it's just I, I was sitting next to this guy on the plane and I'm like oh yeah blah 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 I'm reading this book Polly blah 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 and he's all like Polly. Well, that's just chaos, you know, open relationship. That's chaos. He's been with his wife for about seven years. So I'm like oh. It's actually like the opposite of chaos. There are so many different ways that you can communicate about you know, what you're okay with. But like sleepovers. Or is it okay if you sleep over at someone's house? That's, that's one thing. And there's just like 50 points of where it can be a very complex process for people trying to work it out at first. Yeah. You know? well, s- no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I think that can happen if you, and this may sound terrible at first, make it all about the other Person, which is often what happens in a monogamous relationship, the, the, the codependent situation, you make it all about that other person. What I actually found, uh, the first woman I dated that was polyamorous had two girlfriends at the time and a boyfriend, and actually it was her boyfriend that introduced me to her at, at Burning Man. Wait a minute. Okay, wait, stop. Yes. She <laughs> had so many Venn diagrams. two girlfriends. <laughs> yes. Organizational chart. Right. But she, she had a boyfriend. Whoa. Yes. Well, guys. He, he introduced you to her. Yes. And so she had three partners at Burning Man with her. She had three partners at Burning Man. And the boyfriend also had multiple partners outside of her. Okay. So that was actually my first introduction to it. But what my point to that is, coming from a world of monogamy, I always came at it from the couple. Once I started dating someone, there was this idea of a couple. So now it stopped being me and became we. What are we going to do? And what I found happened with that was I stopped thinking about my wants and desires and made the relationship something separate from me. Now, in this situation, there was no couple for me to put that thing on for me to manage. And I actually had to think, what do I want to do? 
am I okay with her having sex with other people? Am I okay with seeing her hugging up on someone? And these are questions I never would have even thought to ask myself. And so in effect, it, this type of relationship made me learn more about me. What are my boundaries? What are my yeses and nos? And I got to know more about who I was by giving myself these experiences and sometimes finding out, okay, no, I'm a no to that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be involved in that. And I'm a yes to these other things. So it was actually an excellent way for me to learn more about me because... You become more of an individual sort of with this type of style. Yeah, well, you have to. If you don't know yourself, you can't tell people what you want to need, and that's paramount. It's interesting. Do you think that you could have reached that, that le- this level of clarity about that without going into polyamory? Because it just seems like a, like a great attitude to have in general. Think about what you want um, and how best to approach it. You know? I, I'll say I, I try to tell people in general to date, to definitely date sure. at some point in their life, to have a period of time where you are meeting people as opposed to what we often do. We see somebody, oh my God, they're the most amazing, that person. And what actually seems to be happening is you're projecting your best thoughts on that person because you don't really know them yet. So you create this fantasy of who they are. I like that fantasy. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And then slowly as the fantasy gets peeled away, when you notice they don't put the toilet seat down or they don't come home at a certain time, it becomes a weird thing later. That's called serial monogamy. Right. (laughs) But I definitely... That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. But the bottom line, I think it's good to take some time to sample the buffet and on any level, if you're monogamous or whatever, to figure out if you really do like one thing or not. Sample the buffet, Dave. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry, is what I'm <laughs> Stars, does anyone have any food? I'm so hungry. Uh, I saw you nodding a bit, Christy. Do you have any thoughts, Dad? Uh, sh- Sure. Uh, I guess my my thought uh, just now was that uh, I guess probably the reason I am polyamorous is because I'm 100% committed to per- putting myself first and foremost at all times. Whoa. And so I, I just feel like that, you know, this is a relationship structure, I suppose, if you even want to call it that, where you're just making decisions based on what your needs are at all times, and, and I'm making myself a priority, and I believe that that is really, really important. And I think that whenever you're making yourself a priority, you're taking care of yourself, and you love yourself, and that allows you to love a lot of things, and a lot of people, and, and, and life, and it, it kind of... I can't really imagine being in a relationship where I was making decisions based on someone else. Like, I mean, I'm in a very uh, amazing relationship right now, but it's so good because both of us think about what we want on an independent level, Mm -hmm. and we share that with each other. But we don't ever, like, I mean, and and it's been really hard at times and challenging because it's just kind of like, you know, I want to go to this party. Are are you going to go? Because I want to go if you want to go. And we've had conversations about, like, you know, I don't know. You decide whether you want to go to this party. And I only want you to go if you want to go. And it's just sort of like this constant striving to be making all the decisions based on what I really, really want. And that's been just huge. It can um, be very gratifying to, yeah. to permission to do that. It's a strange feeling. Yeah. yeah. I really am good at codependence. Yeah. And you, <laughs> definitely, you definitely know that people are choosing you. 
Like, that's right. also the thing in monogamy. Mm. You have the fantasy that, oh, we'll always be together, when the, mm. that's actually not a reality anyway. And you're, stu- you're like, staying for all these weird right. reasons yes. beside I want to be here. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. I don't think that that's necessarily what monogamy is. Mm-hmm. I, uh, at least I never have. Oh, well, not never. When I was 14, I was like, I'm going to be with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get married. Like, we've been dating two days. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, and probably uh, until much later than that. But I, I've certainly had monogamous relationships where we were both trying to think of what we wanted. But I don't know. I've always thought that it was kind of, uh, it was kind of nice to. Maybe it is codependent, but I, don't, I, I think it's kind of nice to to keep in mind what the other person wants because there's so much. You know, I mean, people go through things, and one thing that can help you get out of things is understanding that there's someone there for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I think that happens when you love somebody. I think sure. that people in a polyamorous relationship that are going through things happen to be there for each other because they share a lot of love. And so I oh. think that happens in any relationship. And I didn't mean to, to say that that wasn't the case at all. I'm just, it's just interesting to me. We got into this discussion that sort of seemed like we were going down a road of saying like a monogamous relationship is always codependent. And I don't think that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that codependency is bad. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I mean, well, maybe it's not. I but, uh, actually would. I, I won't make codependence bad I, because there have been people who've chosen it who've, who've had wonderful lives. It's, it's, I think it's more about being aware that you have a choice. Okay. And, and I think oftentimes the way monogamy is put out there is that it's the one way that it's supposed to happen. That there's this one suit that everybody's supposed to wear. And if you do, can't fit the suit, it's not that the suit is wrong, it's that you need to lose weight. Sure. Or that you need to do something different to fit in this suit. But you need to lose weight, that's right. funny. <laughs> but, but along those lines, that's how it's kind of put out there. There's one way to do it. And, and again, not making it wrong, because some people have done it, and it's worked out perfectly for mm-hmm. them. But I, I am a proponent that there are other choices that are just as valid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm- yeah, these are skills that you can use in monogamy, too, for sure. Um, Cunning Minx, who has a podcast called Polyamory Weekly, which is a great one if you want to learn more. Uh, and she's very sweet. Um, she has a, a phrase like, what would a monogamy, what would a monogamous do? And it's like when you're, because whether you're, whatever your relationship style is, like, it doesn't really change that you should... Like, it's still... All these skills can work for monogamy and vice versa. And so... I wish I had known about keeping my individuality and my needs separate, like from the the get go. But you know what? Here we are, and it's been it's been good to practice these skills more recently. But it takes a long time to get there, especially. I mean, probably everyone in this room, maybe not everyone, but most people I know are raised like you know, you're together forever, and there's nothing you ne- you don't get out because you're always in love. No matter how you feel, you're in love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, breaking out of that is difficult. Yeah. And, and I come from that. My parents uh, have been married 51 years. Uh, still married now, still together, and that's the aberration. But their, their mindset was that divorce was not an option. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, period. So they went through times where it wasn't so happy. They didn't love each other. But that's what commitment was to them. And, and I respect and love that I have that in my life as an example for me to see what that looks like. Uh, and, and I'm creating a similar commitment, uh, and the commitment is in honesty and, and, and sure. always uh, telling people my truth and, and being willing to listen to theirs as well. Do you know anything about uh, 
I mean, have there been studies or, or I don't even know if it's, it, polyamory has been around enough for this to have been the case, but children raised in polyamorous situations or, or non-monogamous or whatever, what is the... There, there aren't any long-term studies. That I think I they grow up just fine. Of course they do. I just wonder. <laughs> Someone's saying in the audience that uh, Sex Don talked about historical communities. I mean, generally, if a child is brought up in a safe and loving household, they're going to be just fine. There isn't research because people don't research a lot of things in the sex and relationship field. Um, I just wonder if they're more likely to, to, like, I don't know. I would imagine that you would grow up more open-minded about at least certain things. Uh, and what the, what the positives of that would be, you know, or negatives, who knows? I don't know, it's weird. I, I think kids sometimes pivot away from whatever their parents do. Seems like that's, that's true, that's true. Make liberal kids, liberal kids, liberal <laughs> yeah. people. It's They're all nuns, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I was just talking with a friend who, whose parents were in an open relationship, and I mean... It, he's fine it, that, that wasn't like a large element of how he viewed things but it, it generally um, from what I found in terms of just reading around that the kids get to realize that there's a choice that they, and so they can choose and go in whatever direction they want which is most people right now are realizing that they have a choice and that's the big change and the reason we're having this show besides the fact that I just want to talk about this because I'm into it um, <laughs> is because like I'm just meeting all kinds of poly people open relationship people and it's just like everyone I meet right now is just exploring or curious about it and I'm like what? And it's like a revolution <laughs> you know and I'm just okay so it's just even I didn't even wasn't really realizing how important this was, but then all of a sudden it hit me like, oh wait, I've met fifty people this week and forty of them identified as non-monogamous of some sort. Maybe we should have a podcast about this. <laughs> sure, this is kind of important. I had an interesting. I I, I uh, was hooking up with this girl for a while who I think had a misunderstanding uh, of of what polyamory is, or maybe not. But she told me that uh, she like she texted me one day. And asked me if I've ever had multiple partners, and I said no. And, uh, and then she responded, okay, well, I have three right now. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and sh- she was like, and it's, uh, it's tough because I want to have sex with all of them. And I literally wrote back, I felt like kind of a douche, but I just wrote back, well, you should. <laughs> uh, and she wrote back to me, no, I can't because I'm not labeled polyamorous. Really? Yeah. Which I, I thought, uh, and I wrote back, well, well you know, whatever, man. <laughs> Wait, because I'm not labeled, or like keeping yourself in your own box. It's like she hasn't come out, or I guess, uh-huh. so she considers, it's like she's still in the monogamy section. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know. Of your local bookstore. Yeah, she's still, exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah, oh my God. Um, yeah, she should do that. <laughs> all of that um, no I mean the big thing about some people think that like one of the myths is I mean being in an open relationship is that it's cheating they're like oh or like that wouldn't work that, that's cheating that's, that's wrong is that the big thing is consent and that you're honest about what your agreements are in your relationship I mean am I right guys am I right am I right consent yeah. right cheating is when you say you're going to the library but you're down yeah. the street cheating with, is lying that's yeah. terrible I would never yeah. think of doing yeah. that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I I was thinking recently why I've never cheated 
You know, okay, I had two drunk makeouts in college. That's it, okay? But, like, I've never cheated, and that's so weird to me because everybody's cheated. So I was like, you know, so I feel really good about that. But now I don't have to worry about that yeah. as much because I can integrate that into my dating world. Dating, that's a thing. I totally cheated back uh, when I first was dating. Yeah. that was, it was almost... The relationship I had at the time, we actually were living together, and she was a musician, and when she would travel, she, things would happen on the road. And then when I found out about those things, it became like a revenge thing. So, again, it was just not healthy in any way. You know? So, again, that's where I feel it's, it's a good thing to actually talk to people. It's, it's funny, when, when you talk about jealousy or things like that, often by just talking about it, it becomes less of a thing. It, it becomes a bigger thing when it's not spoken and you're carrying it around with you and then you act on things because, you know, because she came home late, now you're mad, mm-hmm. but you're really mad about the fact that you found out what she did while she was on the road. So it's, it's just really big, whatever relationship, to be open to having the conversations you don't want to have and listening to things you don't want to hear. Yeah, ooh, that's hard. Yeah, I wished me from the past could have heard that. <laughs> Dude, Dude um, in our threesome episode, we talked about jealousy a bit. I would, okay, first of all, I'd like to have this fantasy that, you know, you both are just like gold star poly people who are like just never had a hard moment, like no jealousy, no fights. You're just, you're like, you know, you're just loving people having a good time. But I know, I hope that like there have been awkward moments, but like how is jealousy come into play in terms of your dating life and having more than one partner? I think jealousy is an interesting thing. I think when jealousy happens, most of the time it's based on some sort of insecurity within oneself. Like when I've been jealous, um, you know, it's funny. I've been the most jealous of the stupidest things. Um, and they happen to be during times of my life when I'm just sort of having a hard time, and so everything is just sort of looks a little bit different, you know. But the hardest thing I've ever had with jealousy is you think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I adopt this open lifestyle, I'm, you know, polyamorous, uh, and so I'm not supposed to feel this. I am mm-hmm. supposed to be this gold star person. And mm-hmm. so the biggest issue I have ever had is feeling it and not being able to admit that I was feeling it. So the whole idea of emotional accountability and just being able to sit with yourself and say, look, I'm having this emotion and it's natural and I don't have to be a superhero and this is sort of a part of life, it's going to happen anyway, you know, is, is sort of huge. Um, so, yeah, jealousy and feeling bad about jealousy, I mean, it's all, it's all certainly a part of the human experience, so we can't pretend that we don't feel it. I learned a new term this weekend called visceral awareness, and it's noticing how you like how your feelings feel in your body. Like, oh my god, I'm feeling this thing. Just being so aware of how, because all your emotions are in your body; they're not just like hovering above your head; they're in you. Um, and so, yeah, it's like being able to just acknowledge, okay, no, I am reacting. I'm feeling this thing. Oh, that is jealousy. Ooh, I don't like that feeling. Why? Yeah. Um, but how about you, um, Gold Star? The, oh no, no. <laughs> Um, I, I went through a period of time where, again, when I was figuring things out, just like you're saying, it was, it was learning how to communicate my jealousy. And, and one, of the, one of the awesome things, uh, I was dating a psychiatrist. Uh, <laughs> also another. So one of the things that she did, because she was polyamorous, was 
whenever she was feeling jealous, she, she actually came to me before in a non-jealous time and said, hey, there are times that I will feel jealous, and when I'm feeling jealous, I'm going to come to you and ask you to just tell me why you love me. And Aww. when I come and ask you that, I don't want you to be like, what is this about or whatever. Just tell me things that you like about me. Tell me things you love about me. And just her giving me that, whenever she would come to me, I would be able to say things like, I love your hair. I love the way you talk. I love the time we spend together. And that would help her feel okay. And that's something that I kept for myself later uh, when I was in a relationship and I found that my uh, jealousy point is when my partner is dating someone that I feel physically resembles me. And so, Oh, right, your trigger. Yes, that is definitely my trigger. So what I did was I came to her and, again, asked her, hey, don't have a problem with you spending time with him, connecting with him, but whenever you're done spending time with him, I'm going to ask you if you can tell me how we're not alike, what's different about him. And if you can just tell me those things, I'll be fine. And it, it's worked very well. But again, that's knowing, taking the time to know where your jealousy is and, and to be aware of what it is that you're looking for to, to, to fill that up. Right, because I remember you like variety. Like yes, part of it is just you like to just like, taste the rainbow. Yes. <laughs> and I remember you described. <laughs> we are sponsored by Skittles. But... <laughs> no, I remember like, you had told me like, how you describe yourself. It's more like you're like you know I'm kind of like I'm I'm a black, slightly geeky guy, kind of tall. Like you describe yes. yourself, and I laughed because I'd never thought of it. You just it was yes. just funny to hear you. And you're like, and then this person had gone on a date with someone who was slightly exactly. geeky black and kind exactly. of, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, that would be awkward if they looked it like you. Central casting. <laughs> That's a Hollywood joke. <laughs> Sorry. He looked just like me. <laughs> um, yeah, true. <laughs> I have an ex-girlfriend who works for Central Casting, so it's like a double joke. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah, jealousy um, triggers. Do you have any particular triggers? that? Oh, I, I don't know. My most recent trigger has a lot to do with my biology. I want to have babies. Oh. It's crazy. I'm 31 years old, and I feel my clock, and it's strange. So most recently, I've been triggered by... Uh, you know, someone that I know that was younger than me who has a chance to have babies five years longer than I do, which just made me think, oh, no, you know, what, what, if, huh, what if I lose my opportunity somehow? And, yeah, so, I mean, it's just silly. Mm-hmm. But it's, it comes up, it's coming up for me because of my biology right now, and, like, it's talking to me like crazy, and it's just stupid and crazy. Well, we need to talk about that. Okay. My uterus is saying things, and I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to listen. <laughs> this is the thing. You have to know the difference between what your brain is telling you and what your body's telling you. Uh-huh. Because, you know, your body can rationalize, your brain can rationalize this. But when you're not thinking, your body is just making you nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, when I figured that out, it was all, it was golden. Awesome. <laughs> but Very before cool. I figured that out, uh... But you were feeling jealousy toward other females that were getting to reproduce. Yeah. yeah okay, well, but that's a trigger. Yeah. Well, uh, not, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. 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 No, the acknowledge like before like I was having kind of a tough day and like before the show just like noticing that you need a thing and then asking for it like I love like asking for someone like I was like guys I really need a group hug and they totally gave me a group hug before the show and I was oh, like oh that's adorable yeah and then I felt really high after I was like yeah 
You're just my fix. That's <laughs> really it's just what I need is just group hugs every once in a while. Um, and I'm into it. That's my kink. Um, oh, there's so much. Okay, so the opposite of jealousy, according to Opening Up, as uh, a book by Tristan Taramino, is compersion, which is the like joy that you can have in um, your partner's experience. Like instead of freaking out that they went on a date with someone that they have a crush on, you're like happy for them, and and feeling. Like love, or just getting off on the fact that they're enjoying their night out with somebody else. I love that feeling. And I've definitely talked to people that are friends or that I'm dating that don't understand that. It's like, it's just that there's this, like, just a knot in their stomach. They're experiencing, like, well, no, they, the insecurity and the jealousy comes up. But then once, once I've, because I've done a lot of work internally about that. And afterward, now I can, I can, like, think if someone I really like goes on a date, I just really want to hear about it after. Like, that's cool. Like, what happened? You know? And it's a very, I realize it's really strange to hear for some people, but I don't know. Have you experienced that kind of excitement you get from a partner's joy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I I think it's important, or or one of the things that that I tried to do to get me there, you can do it. Dave's reaching for a bottle. He's trying to not be distracting. I just can't not make a face. I'm so sorry. You know, Dave, you're kind of cute. Are you sure about this monogamy thing? No. No, I'm not. I love it. Um, One of the things that it it, it was important, kind of what I was talking about before, you have to be able to sit with your uncomfortable feelings and take the time to really get to what you're saying to yourself to feel that way. Because there's often a thought that's in your head that you're telling your heart or your spirit that generates the negative emotion. You're, it might be, I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm not whatever, this person reminds me of whatever. And if you can be with yourself and take the time to get to what that is and then be courageous enough to communicate that to your partner doors will be opened and and, and and so once you've stepped through that that's where you're able to feel the joy because you recognize by having people in your life that have joy you get more joy in your life it's actually really kind of a selfish thing when you surround yourself with happy people you get more happy in your life and they bring more happy people around and it just keeps building on itself in, in a lot of awesome ways and again Sorry, Burning Man. <laughs> I just want anger. I just want angry friends. What mad people. That's all I want. Just lots of anger. Don't. He- no, I. I was joking. Anyone? Um, yeah, that might have opened the door to. <laughs> well, like, I'm not asking. By for the that way, I'm angry. Life. You want to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Oh, so I asked you two for tips. Do you have any tips to share in terms of just like take this home and do it, or don't do it, whatever. <laughs> Great tip. <laughs> Slightly militant. Always sex positive. <laughs> oh, I guess the only tip that I thought of was I, I guess I, I've just kind of said it before. I, I guess I preferred not to think about it as being a thing so much and just sort of like a really natural way to live where you can explore relationships and you're it's kind of, you know, to me, polyamory is a life devoted to personal responsibility and emotional accountability and trusting yourself and being really honest with yourself and with others and trusting others and just sharing a lot of love and being really open. Um, and so I don't like the label very much. Um, 
Um, but yeah, yeah, just just sort of that. That's kind of what I think it is, and that's the way I try to live my life and hope. Cool. Can I just say, I think I don't. I was listening to that, and I all I was doing was going, yeah. <laughs> I totally. I think that's amazing. I think that's a great attitude, and I I honestly hope. I love the 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 disregard for the label too. I hope that we can all just get to a point where there doesn't need to be that label, you know, where we're all just, you know, personally enlightened enough to do what's best for us and those around us. I think that that, uh, I've never been to Burning Man, uh, but uh, clearly I need to go. Uh, uh, okay. There's always lightning in a bottle just to try. <laughs> that was my tiny little speech about everyone being happy. Uh, awesome. Very cool. <laughs> I'd like to shout, uh, throw a shout out to the Ephemeral Festival right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give us some info on that. It's just a great festival, too. Okay. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> anyway. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Warp Tour. Uh, <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> uh, KJ, do you have a tip? Um, uh, I guess if you're going to create a life uh, of polyamory, um, learn to be okay with having difficult conversations because uh, that's the core of it is, is being willing to listen and, and listening is a, such a huge is, is 80, 90% of communication is, is really being able to hear someone uh, and not be sitting there thinking about what I'm going to say back or, or what's going on really listening um, and uh, I call it using your adult superpowers. Like, there's no <laughs> point in being an adult if you can't take it to that next level and let's talk about that next thing as opposed to just the comfortable stuff. Let's talk about the difficult things because then we can do some amazing things once you've stepped over into that side. Awesome. Yeah, I like being an adult, <laughs> having hard conversations. Yeah. <laughs> But after you have the hard conversation, then you get that kind of like rush of like, I did that. I'm amazing. And then after you feel really good. So if you could work through it, sometimes you could just, you know. Yeah, the backside of that is Yeah. Uh, I would love, I don't know, I I think there might be like one or two polyamorists in the audience, possibly. Please do, um, let's um, take a moment and figure out how we're going to work out the mic situation. I think we have a, a mic Oh my god, there's a mic over there. <laughs> now we know where the mic is. It was behind me. Um, cool. Uh, if you'd like to come on up. <laughs> You're welcome, girl in the cool jacket. <laughs> this is Erin Tillman, the dating advice girl. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Not having me, like it's my show. Talk- sorry. You're welcome. Force of habit. Um, no, I think this is really great. Thanks for inviting all of us. Um, I just wanted to say that I just watched a really interesting 2020. I don't know if anyone saw it. Um, I don't know if it was last Friday. I don't know. Anyway, it was really good because it was all about polyamorous relationships and um, into the microphone. And um, there was some. It, there was a segment about raising kids in it, and there was one couple that they focused on. And there were, I don't know. I think there were maybe about six people in the relationship, and the kids were great. And like there were maybe seven or eight years old, and they were like, yeah. You know, our mom and dad, we just, you know, this mom will take us to school. or, or I mean, they were really cute kids. I mean, it seemed really interesting. But it, it, they did tackle that question in some way. And so there was no real answer, I guess. It was just like, here's some kids and they're normal and we love each other. <laughs> but it was a good, if you guys can Google it or Hulu it, it was really, it was good. So, yeah, there you go. 
But thank you. Good thank job. You, I yeah. love what everyone's saying. I love everyone's perspective. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Hello. I had a couple of things. One of them was uh, I personally identify as open and am not in a primary or life partnership at all. Um, But I love the just don't like labels because I don't like them at all. And it's like relationships are the choices you make around them as opposed to the label you apply to it. So that's where I come from on that. And then the other thing was the notion of a gold star person. I mean, I understand how you were using it, but it's like the gold star person is the person who has those difficult conversations, who owns where they're coming from. So I feel like you do have two gold star people <laughs> sitting next to you Aww. from what they... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, awesome. Those are what I wanted to add. Awesome. Thank you for saying that. You guys are and now we will be having a 150-person group hug. <laughs> oh <my Yeah>! <laughs> Dave's <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Hey guys, um, my question is I was wondering if you could talk a little bit out of your experiences with coming out, you know, to family, friends, coworkers. One of the challenges that we've seen over the past couple of years is that we, as we get to know more and more open people, we find those are the people we usually want to spend more time with. And when you have mixed groups, you kind of have that double life thing going on. And you guys seem like you're pretty out. So I'm curious if you can talk about how you came to that and how you felt comfortable with that. Like, do your parents marry for 51 years? No, for example. Yes. Thanks. Um, yes, they do. It, uh, well, two things. One, again, they're in Georgia. I'm in California. So what kind of happened was over a period of, I'd say, seven years. Well, the first one was Burning Man, having to explain to them, hey, you're not going to be able to communicate with me for a week because there isn't cell service and I'm going to this thing in the middle of the desert. So that was like the first thing, like, what are you doing? Why are you there? Uh, and I think it was a gradual. It wasn't a, a, a sharp turn. They saw that I was living a more art, artistic lifestyle. I'm a writer. I'm an actor. And as we started having conversations when I came back, it was about that I'm dating many people and that I'm letting everybody know what I'm dating. Uh, their line was they didn't want to know anything about sex. They didn't want to know anything <laughs> about that. I don't, don't tell me anything about that. But they get I'm dating many people. But... I think like with all parents, they still hold on to the thought of one day he'll settle down and he'll get married with one person and we'll have grandbabies. So that's the extent. It's not like I'm there waving a flag and telling them, you need to accept me as Polly, mom and dad. It's just more like they love me and know that I'm dating and enjoying my life. Um, So I have not talked to my parents about this. I remember one time, actually, when I was younger, talking to my dad about the idea of it. And the reaction was so negative that uh, the thought of uh, shattering their lives <laughs> at this point in time is, is not at the top of my list. How, however, I am living my life very openly, and more and more I'm spending time with more people like me, um, and I'm less and less afraid of being who I am every day. And... Uh, uh, I know that when they put two and two together, that the decisions I make, um, because I am open about them, and the things that I do in my life, and the way that I'm living my life, um, it, it'll certainly, I'm sure, make sense. But I'm not jonesing to just sort of like sit down and have a powwow, because I don't really feel the need to like, make it a thing. I just, I'm just who I am, and it'll be evident. And you know, maybe someday that conversation will we'll come into it, and we'll have it, and I'm open to that. Mm-hmm. 
like they'll just sort of like without defining it yourself, they just sort of see the picture emerge slowly through time. Like, yeah. hmm, yeah. Christy you know. seems to be doing something here. <laughs> I think I'm noticing a thing. Yeah, I think they probably maybe suspect, and I'm sure we'll get there, but mm-hmm. uh, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, have you heard of any um, friends who've had negative experiences coming out to their, their families about this? I mean, because we hear about it in terms of orientation all the time, but I haven't heard a whole lot in terms of the poly thing. Um, no, I haven't heard of it, but I imagine that it, that if it's probably more once you get into a family situation, like if you have something where someone was married and then decided to end the marriage to create something like that, like those would be the circumstances. Um, and and again, I feel like I'm kind of blessed because I have two older sisters that are very traditional and gave my parents plenty of grandbaird babies so I imagine if I was the only child and they didn't have grandchildren I'd probably be facing a much different pressure uh, that many people do face so I imagine if that's what parents are looking at that they would probably have a different mm-hmm. opinion of how is this going to happen and, and, yeah. and again I don't know the answer to that conversation mm-hmm. I haven't had to have it Right, and a lot of people I mean I've heard of like just being invisible like your relationship being invisible where like uh, invisible poly. You, if your partner, ha- if there's a f- male female couple with a child, and the girlfriend needs to go pick up their kid from school, they don't say like, "Oh yes, I'm you know Janet's girlfriend. Uh, we're poly anyway. I'm signing the kid out." Like they just get the kid, and they don't like like no, they just live their lives and aren't like having to use the words and define it for other people. They just do what they're gonna do. Um, but you, KJ, you just reminded me of something really important, is that when it comes to kids and marriage, it's really important that because there aren't, um, the law doesn't really have a really good understanding of this, is when it comes to custody battles and divorce, it's really difficult because you can lose custody of a child if uh, your ex-spouse brings that into the courtroom. So it's really, for now, treading carefully. I think the magazine and organization Loving More, I think they're doing some work to try and change that. But anyway, just be careful and find out about things and, ha- and know your resources um, about these sorts of things. Oh, uh, P.S., just so you guys know, and everybody who's listening, if you're near the Bay Area, June 8th through 10th, there is a new conference starting called Open SF. That's a conference on polyamory. So cool things coming up. Pepper Mint, this cool guy that I just met on Twitter. He's uh, doing that. Sounds fresh. Um, <laughs> anyway, would anyone else like to come up to the mic? Yeah? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, you and then the person in the back who just raised their hand. Okay, go for it. All right. It's like Russian roulette of stuff. I'm like, I hope we can answer it. I hope it's good. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm curious if in the circles that you guys find yourselves as far as open community, if you're seeing more of a blurring of the line as far as swingers and polyamorous people sort of dabbling in both. Because um, I find that I don't like the label either label because I kind of feel myself doing a little bit of both. And I'm curious, you know, polyamorous people having sex parties and swingers having becoming really close with their partners. Are you seeing that um, sort of merging of the two worlds a little bit. I'm sure not across the board, but but at any point. I kind of see these as two different things. I actually don't know if I know any swingers. It it kind of baffles me that you would just switch partners with someone and get together for the sake of getting together like without a context. I, I don't know. I, I don't know I don't notice the 
that community in the community that I'm finding myself, my communities, I guess, I find myself a part of. I, I, I know of, of people that identify as a couple that connect with other people, whether creating threesomes or going out on a date with other couples, but I've never heard of them refer to themselves as swingers. They just seem more couple-oriented versus I have met mm-hmm. poly people that I mean, are couples that, that, yeah. Yeah, okay. that operate more individually. But again, mm-hmm. it's always about that communication of knowing what their boundaries are, what their requests are, mm-hmm. and if you are yes to that or not mm-hmm. of how they do it. If it is that if I go out with you, your husband mm-hmm. is going to be there, then I'd like to meet him too, versus anything else. So, right. uh, But I haven't met people that are like, I'm a swinger, let's go have a party. Let's no. swing. Yeah, no. um, I, just, uh, I just taught a cunnilingus class. Did I, have I shared this already, Dave? About the live cunnilingus class I taught? No. No? <laughs> uh, Playboy TV asked me to teach a cunnilingus class for their uh, most popular show called Swing. And so I got to teach cunnilingus. Um, I was teaching. I wasn't hands-on at all. But the couples could choose to practice on, on the female partner, which was in itself a really interesting experience. So I was like, am I going to do this? Am I really going to teach this class? And it ended up being so much fun and really awesome. Um, if you watch Playboy TV. Um, but, uh, but I want to have a swinging episode at some point. But one thing that I've realized is that it's also just about how you're defining your community space. Like swingers, it's a lo- they call it the lifestyle, and you have these spaces. Or like, like this weekend, you go to Jamaica for the swinging thing, and the weekend, you know, and, and it's like swingers tend to have like these really strong like events that you like, come to. And I, don't, I haven't seen poly people. They, they're mainly having sort of one-on-one deep long-term like, relationships but I haven't seen like a lot of poly events, you know. So no. I think as communities, community groups and events start merging and changing over the years, we might see that more. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly been do well. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I've certainly been do poly events well, where. Mm-hmm. Friend, poly Pride, doesn't it? In New York. Have, There's a poly pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, and I know of groups that. That, that meet, uh, but again, it's, it's always been kind of a blurring of, I guess, the burner community into that mm-hmm. is, was my entryway, so a lot of the folks I know are, are from that ilk, mm-hmm. uh, are just the artsy, flamboyant, awesome, fantastic life ninjas. Life ninjas, <laughs> fight, I mean love. <laughs> um, cool, so one more and the hand up in the back. Then your hand went up, and I'm like looking at you in the front. Is it succinct? Uh, sure. Okay, I'm running out of time. We. Oh, hey. Hello. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to add something um, about um, coming out to families, and and I've been exploring with open relationships since I was. I, I've always kind of just not like to go with the way things are, and I've had really accepting parents. And my mom said to me when I was really young that, um, you know, your parents don't really need to know everything. And I think that that, I I really got into um, um, the, I don't know, I got into the BDSM scene before I got into a lot of other lifestyles. And and it's really true. It's like, my mom didn't really need to know that I was, um, you know, I had a a dom and and what we did on the weekends. Like, I just Mm -hmm. always felt like that, that made a lot of sense to me. And I just feel like, you know, it's like if you're with your partners and, and people are out and I've always had the sense of like if if somebody wants to know and they have questions, I feel like 
it, you know, but to like, I don't know if I feel like it's necessary to have to, and I don't even know if that's relevant, right. but I just mm -hmm. felt like that was something I wanted to say yeah. about that, because it, it, I, sometimes telling people things and letting them know just makes them uncomfortable, and they don't really need to know anyhow, you know? Right. And I think that this is a subject that it's like, and you can be like, wow, some people can be like, wow, you guys have such a great, you're sharing something so cool, what's going on here? And, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I, so I just wanted to share that. Thank <laughs> you. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, come on up. Yeah. Totally. So on the subject of kids and, uh, and setting up legal protections and divorce, that kind of thing, as with most legal things, there are things you can do to help. Uh, and as with most legal things, talk to a lawyer and set it up beforehand. Um, talk to a family lawyer. And they, they, you can set up things in case of divorce, in case of... Uh, if, if there's a couple who's, who's, who have a kid who's already separated and you can set up things to uh, help out if in case one of the parents dies, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So that's one thing you can do on that level. Um, in terms of love being infinite and time being not, mm -hmm. Google Calendar. Google Calendar. <laughs> because you can view other people's calendars. And it's very helpful to say, oh, what's happening next week? Oh, she's got a date on Tuesday, so i got to be home to watch the kid. So... Google Calendar, very helpful. Thank you, thank you. Uh, sir, is there anything you don't know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, clearly this is a topic that we could talk about for a really long time and geek out really deeply. And actually I have talked to people like at parties, you know, and we'll just talk for hours about Polly. It's like, dear God, I need another drink. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Before we uh, close up, um, I, I mentioned OpenSF, other resources, um, just community groups like meetup.org. There are lots of poly groups, you know, just for hanging out with other people, like-mindedness. Um, also, I'm finding out that OkCupid is like the dating site for poly people yes. and open relationship people. So, and actually, there was a fascinating conversation on our events page on Facebook um, where someone posed the question, do you as a couple have your own profile or do you have separate profiles when you're on OkCupid? And um, what did we figure out? What was the answer on that? There was like this long, long thread. Do you guys remember? No? Oh, we all... <laughs> I think... <laughs> huh. You, there. Hello, Sandra. Hello. Hi, friend. Uh, friend that you don't know. Um, <laughs> so the way, it, the way it worked out was that individual members of the couple had their own profile. And you would just clearly say, hey, I'm taken. Or mm -hmm. you, 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 know, you don't say, hey, I'm looking. Right? Or mm -hmm. unless that's what you're actually doing. You just clearly state what you are doing and what kind of relationship you have in your profile. And that's something that OkCupid is really good about you can state exactly the conditions of whatever it is that you're looking for or whatever you're open to. Yeah. They also, you can have a link inside of your profile to your... Exactly. You can say, yes, and, and this is my partner. Oh, yeah. right. you, you can do that. Thank you. Awesome. You're, you're welcome. Very cool. Um, <laughs> and there are, no, uh, there are no real numbers. I mean, there are estimates, and I saw some really low estimates online, like 2%, 4%. But no one really knows what, how many people in, in the U.S. are actually having poly couples. But the fact that OkCupid has this data um, that 
I, I don't, I've just heard that it's, I look forward to seeing more OK Keep It analysis of the data of how many people are, are, are checking the you know, open relationship box. So, oh, it's so exciting. People, culture. OK. Um, I mentioned Cunning, Cunning Minx's Polyamory Weekly. There's also a podcast called Pedestrian Poly, and they're very fun there. Um, and I mentioned Loving More, which is a nonprofit organization and magazine. There's a great FAQ section on there if anyone's new to it and wants to just talk about it. Um, and uh, Modern Poly is a website. I believe that's really good for like the younger younger folks who are just simple professionals. They're not swingers. They're not Burning Man people. They just want to love. Um, so there's just some resources and, of course, Ethical Slut and Opening Up to Books that are wonderful to, to check out. Um, any other resources you two have? No? All right, guys, we just did it. I mean, podcast, that is. We just had a podcast. <laughs> what? We did? <laughs> you blinked. It's that easy. Oh. <laughs> All right. Sex is so different. <laughs> no, uh, Christy, KJ, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Group hug time. You guys, let's all have a good night. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for coming out. Have a good night. Now leaving Nerdist.com.